I have three albums to review for you. It's the latest from Vampire Weekend, Lizzo and King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Yes, you heard that last one right. Didn't make it up. It might be the best name of all time for a band. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. It's just fun to say. Uh, And they're every bit as good as the name. Welcome to the Coffee Buzz. This is Brad. Thank you for joining me. Really glad you're here today. And uh, an article jumped out at me this week. It was about a guy that drank more coffee than I do, if you can believe that. Uh, According to the article, he drank 47 cups a day. And at first I thought, okay, this is just one of those clickbait articles. And it's the guy really did not drink that much coffee. But Uh, I looked at another source, and it turns out he did. Um, That translates to six gallons a day, which, you know, in my opinion, would probably kill a person. Um, But what he would do is he just drank it extremely potent. Um, So it was the equivalent of six gallons a day. And you might be thinking, what does a guy do that drinks espresso all day, right? Apparently right and he wrote a lot. His name was Henri de Balzac. Uh, wrote 47 novels, 12 novellas, 18 short stories, and 8 plays. Um, he was a French writer, and I, this is the first I'd heard of him, but apparently he's a big deal. Um, he influenced Charles Dickens, Jack Kerouac, uh, Karl Marx, and many others. But uh, damn, what a price to pay, right? Uh, he often worked for 15 hours or more in one stretch, and he claimed once to have worked for 48 hours with only three hours of rest in the middle. I- I'm too lazy, um, you know, even with six gallons of coffee. Can you imagine those headaches? Uh, that would be brutal. Yeah, no wonder he died before his 60th birthday. I mean, I love coffee, but... Sleep is more important than legacy, in my opinion. Uh, Today, I'm drinking Capio. It's a cold brew concentrate from Houston, right here in Texas. And as good as it is, I'm probably going to stop at two cups today. According to their Facebook, it looked like they started back in 2015. Uh, They handpick Arabica beans and then roast them themselves in these small batches. And they use triple filtered water to steep the roasted coffee for about 12 to 24 hours. And it's really good stuff. This coffee has a perfect flavor. It, uh, it comes through nice and slow and gives you this kind of good amount of flavor without being too bitter. And I really wasn't able to taste any bitterness at all. Um, I mean, obviously, I kind of gravitate towards bitterness, so it might be different for someone else. The aftertaste does linger a bit longer than some of the other cold brews that I've reviewed, but it is a legit cup of coffee. Um, It has some acidity, but it's kind of intertwined with some vanilla in there, so it it sort of cuts that. And uh, it is slightly more expensive than uh, some of the other brands, but definitely a good one to check out. It's a good cold brew. All right, so coming up next the new Vampire Weekend album review, Father of the Bride. 
satisfied mind and I'm the one A hundred to one says I wouldn't react But I'm the one in a hundred who would swing right back Yes, I'm the one This is the long-awaited fourth album from the Ivy League of Indie Rock, Vampire Weekend. It's been six years since their last release, probably my favorite of theirs, Modern Vampires of the City. And that album just had this grand sort of haunted chamber pop sound that you could just put that album on and listen to it from start to finish. And this album is a bit of a departure from their previous three, um, particularly because they lost one of the key bandmates, Rostam. Um, he's basically the equivalent of their Swiss Army knife. <laughs> um, and uh, you can really tell that his absence is, uh, you know, it, it, you feel it on this album. Um, he went on to do some producing of his own. I uh, forget the artist that he, he worked with, but he also released an album of his own, which by all accounts is really good. I, uh, I've included that on this month's playlist, so make sure you check that out. This is their longest record to date. It, uh, it clocks in at over an hour with 18 tracks. And the first half is much stronger than the second. Um, Father of the Bride could have been a great album if the band had been a little more selective with the songs. I think the six-year lapse uh, since the last album probably played into it being so long. And, uh, I mean, there are some great songs on this. Harmony Hall is, is a good one. It has one of the best lines of 2019 with, I don't want to live like this, but I don't want to die. Another one begins in the stone walls of harmony all bear witness In a battle with a wooden mind can never forgive the sight Wicked snakes inside a place you thought was dignified Part of what makes this song so great is that Rostam did help on the production. And I just can't help but wonder what it would have been like if he were on the entire record. Uh, Vampire Weekend have always reminded me a bit of Paul Simon. And this is very apparent on uh, This Life. Baby, I know pain is as natural as the rain. I just thought it didn't rain in California Baby, I know love isn't what I thought it was Cause I've never known a love like this before Oh, yeah. And like Paul Simon, they have regularly been accused of cultural appropriation. I mean, personally, I don't hear it. Uh, I mean... It's kind of strange to say that only certain artists uh, can have a world music influence sound, uh, for lack of a better term. Um, some of the other high points are the duets that Ezra Koenig, the frontman, does with Danielle Heim. Hanging gardens turn to desert All that loving turn to hate We got married in a gold rush 
What these songs do, they, they chronicle a couple on their way to marriage at various points in the relationship. I do think that this album is a bit more mature than some of their previous releases. It's not quite as whimsical as the first two, and lyrically just much more introspective. Um, the album is decent, but I, I hate to say it, it's not great. They, they just set the bar very high on modern vampires of the city. Father of the Bride is just a bit bloated with filler tracks. This is the length of a double album, which I really don't think even exists anymore because hardly anyone buys CDs. And I don't want to bash it too much. Uh, there are some sweet spots on this album. I think they should just make Danielle Haim a permanent vampire at this point. Um, maybe that would make up for Rostam being being out because what he and Ezra Koenig do together is one of those situations where the sum of the two is greater than the parts. Father Bride isn't their masterpiece, but it's it's definitely worth a listen. Uh, there are some gems, but it's just a bit disjointed. I uh, I think they're trying to find their way in a post-Rostam world. So hopefully he comes back. Next up is Detroit singer and rapper Lizzo. Mirror, mirror on the wall, don't say it cause I know I'm cute. Oh, Knew it down to my drawers, LV all on my shoes. Oh, I be dripping so much sauce, got a bit looking like Prego. Oh, Lit up like a crystal ball, that's cool, baby, so is you. That's this is her third album, and I dare you to try to listen to this album and sit still. Lizzo is a master at combining soul and hip-hop in a way that will make you want to dance. Uh, it's not a perfect record. I think this is one of those albums where she's really trying to establish herself as a hit maker because it feels like every song on this album could be a hit single. And I mean, that's not a bad thing, but it doesn't leave any room for those B-sides that, in my opinion, kind of act like glue for the concept of the album. Uh, that said, there are some common themes throughout the record. I, I love her braggadocious lyrics and over-the-top horn sounds on the songs. And if you're ever in a bad mood, just put this album on. It's actually one that works either for a really good mood or a really bad one. I could see you listening to this as maybe you're getting ready on a Friday night to go out with some friends or you're just not having a great day. Put this track on uh, like this one right here. This is the opener. Cause I love you. And this album is a tight 33-minute runtime, and she clearly chose quality over quantity here. I do think the production is just a little too polished for my taste. I would have preferred it to be slightly more raw, because she has the chops and doesn't really need all the studio enhancements going on here. It's, it's just a bit too glossy. I know it's in there right there. 
I love how she ends that one. She ends a few tracks like that. And uh, sometimes when artists include studio outtakes, it, it sort of comes off forced, but she is nothing if not genuine. Um, the first one that really drew me into this album was the track Jerome, which is just a classic R&B ballad. Jerome, Jerome, take your ass home and come back when you're grown. Jerome, Jerome, go on. I hear some heavy Prince influence going on with this record. Probably one of the reasons I love it so much. It's hard not to just play the whole album for you because it's that good. It's just really solid. She has such a powerful voice too. You just, you can't deny her talent. Um, as good as I think this is, I, I feel like she's just getting started and I'm really excited to see what she does next. All right, last but not least, might be my favorite album of 2019. It's a, the latest from Australian rock band King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. The album is called Infest the Rat's Nest. These guys are amazing. And what I like about them is that it's hard to pin down this band to one specific genre because they change it on every album. Uh, this is a thrash metal genre for this album. And... I'm a sucker for an overly elaborate concept album, and they definitely deliver here with Infest the Rass Nest. It is an environmentalist sci-fi epic. The world is dying, and there's a need for people to leave. But there is no Planet B, as represented here in the opening track. So the story goes on to talk about greed, disease, space travel, you know, all the things that make a, for a fun album. And uh, the song Mars for the Rich is about the elites of the world going to Mars to make a better life for themselves while leaving the rest of us plebs here on Earth, you know, for the, for the remainder of its dying life. And they have a first-person shooter video game that you can, uh, where you go around killing rats <laughs> and marsfortherich.com. Check that out because it kind of gave me more context for the song. Basically, the rats are the rich people and this video game uh, looks a lot like that old game Doom. Uh, it, it goes very well with the album, marsfortherich.com. And then we get to the song Superbug about this horrible disease that can't be stopped with any medicine. So what happens throughout the album here at this point, uh, anyone that can get off the planet does. And while they're out there exploring space uh, to find a new home, they end up burning up in the sun 
and uh, eventually winding up in hell. This one is a dark, brutal story, and the music on the album echoes that. I hear some Black Sabbath influence going on. One of the catchiest tracks is Parahelium. to look up what that word means it's the point of orbit of a planet or comet which comes nearest to the sun i always wonder where they come up with these things uh, they got a better vocabulary than i do this band is prolific uh, they are making some of the most inventive rock albums out there just four years after their debut they had already released eight albums and then they made five albums in 2017, that one year. Stu McKenzie, he is the frontman, uh, songwriter, mastermind, but they have seven members in the band total, which includes three singers and two drummers. Yeah, two drummers. <laughs> Who else has two drummers? I love that. One of the drummer, uh, Eric, he gets a lot of trash from the band. They, they give him a hard time. At one point, uh, I was watching this uh, YouTube of them, and they took away his kick drum uh, on one of the albums where <laughs> they took away his kick drum because he wasn't playing properly. And on the uh, credits of the album, you know, it has the different members saying, you know, guitar, vocals. And when it gets down to Eric, it just says nothing by his name. Um, they're, they're very tongue in cheek, and they, I love their sense of humor. Um, but really, this guy Eric is you know, kind of a genius. Uh, he heads up the, uh, their own label, Flightless Records. And if you think about it, that is a crazy amount of work for a touring band who also distributes all their music. Infest a Rast Nest is their 13th album. Uh, their debut album, 12 Bar Brews, was recorded on an iPhone. <laughs> and uh, the next one was a cult Western audiobook. And then they delved into this psychedelic rock phase. They have an album, Paper Mache Dream Balloon, and that one is all acoustic. Now, I will admit that not all of their albums are as good as Infest the Rat's Nest, but I love the range and the insane work ethic that they have. You can, you can tell these guys love what they do. And Honestly, I think the moral of their story is if you want creative freedom, just get your own label. Uh, so far, they have the best album of the year, in my opinion. And you can give them a listen. Uh, I dropped them on the Coffee Buzz Mix September. It is out, and you can find it at thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com backslash music. I'll also share that on all the social media sites. And if you have an album that you want me to review, uh, send me an email, thecoffeebuzzpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you next week. Piggy because I think I would just like be very overbearing to very thin men all the time. And they'd be like, well, ah, 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 and I'm like, I just want to